Let us pray. Father, send us your spirit and teach us your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning from me. My name's Simon. If you don't already know me, I'm one of the ministers here. I'm going to share some thoughts this morning. Um, continuing a series we've been following about what happens when we worship together and picking up some bits of the prayers that we use in our service. Um, there's going to be a bit of all joining in if you're, if you're up for that. <laughs> the theme of the morning seems to be that everyone's involved and I, I had an idea of how you might be involved in this. So, but it is optional, that's just bear that in mind. So when I... If I, if I tell you to do something, you can decide whether you want to or not. Um, let's start off with um, a slightly unpleasant phrase um, and see what comes to mind. Here we go. The living dead. <laughs> what comes to mind for you when I say the phrase, the living dead? There's various possibilities. If you're a sci-fi fan, it might be zombies. Um, uh, you might think of someone who is uh, facing death, someone on death row. Um, those who don't believe, maybe. Um, or those whose, whose life is so debilitated, so impoverished and denuded that... Um, Although they're alive, their life is, is very, very slight, so to speak. Well, let's just hold on to that idea, the idea of the living dead. We're going to um, play with that idea this morning, um, and because it relates to a key part of uh, one of the prayers that we use at the end of Holy Communion services when we have communion. Um, it's worth saying, of course, it is a contradiction in terms, is it not? I mean, how can the living be dead? But that's entirely appropriate in the Easter season, where we are now. Behold, says Jesus, I was dead, and I am alive forevermore. Do I hear a hallelujah? <laughs> okay, that's your first. Every time I mention the resurrection, you're welcome to shout out hallelujah, <laughs> if you wish. There we go. Um... Jesus was dead. Now, the death of Jesus, which we, we remember, we celebrate, came at the Jewish festival of Passover. And the Jewish festival of Passover goes right back to the very beginning of the story of God's people, right almost to the very beginning of the Bible, um, when the story goes of the Israelites being slaves in Egypt and being very badly treated and oppressed and they needed to be rescued, and on the night of their rescue, um, the angel of the Lord came over Egypt and rescued them. Um, so the Last Supper, which Jesus shared with his disciples, was a Passover supper. So the food that they were eating represented and commemorated the events of the Exodus, the Passover and a key part of that was a sacrificial lamb. Everyone say, the lamb. The lamb. 
if you want to. But, okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that because I did this, I did this once before and, um, uh, and a friend of mine was in the congregation uh, and it was the first time that I'd invited people to interact like this. It was in a different church and at the end of it I was chatting with my friend and um, I said, well, how, how do you think it went? And they said, well, you know, um, every time you invited people to say something, and I said, yeah, and they said, you know, at one point, you kind of sort of, you said, do you like that? Which apparently I did, and I said, yeah. And they said, well, when you said, do you like doing that, the person in front of me was shaking his head vigorously. <laughs> so, so I just want you to be, feel reassured it is optional if you want to join in. Anyway, um, the sacrificial lamb. That's the one, okay. So that was the meat for the meal, but it was also used at the time of the Passover to put blood on the doorposts of the Israelites, and this was a sign to the angel of God, so the story goes. So when the angel of God came over Egypt, um, the, the angel saw the blood on the doorposts of the Israelites and passed over those houses, hence the Passover supper. So the Jews ever since have held this Passover commemoration once a year when they remember that that's what happened and they offer a lamb. Some of you there, okay. As a sacrifice to remember that that's what happened. And the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, was the means, just, just keep going, throw it in, yeah, was the means of salvation. It remembers how God rescued them and saved them. Now, whenever we have Holy Communion, we remember the Last Supper of Jesus with his friends, and in particular, we reflect on the way in which Jesus reinterpreted that event. And at the Last Supper, he then spoke of his own blood becoming the means of salvation. So now, we sometimes refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God. Because he was the one who was willingly offering himself as a sacrifice. He was put to death so that others, us, can live. And receive all the benefits of God's grace and mercy. So the role of the lamb is now taken up by the man. Everyone say the man. The man Jesus. Jesus becomes the lamb. Um, now, this is very appropriate in the Easter season because we rejoice that Jesus not only died, but also that he rose again. He was dead, and behold, he is alive forevermore. On those occasions when we have communion, we receive bread and wine, and that represents for us the body and the blood of Jesus. It reminds us that he offered himself as a sacrifice so that we could be set free and receive life. And when we do that, on those occasions when we take bread and wine, it's as if we're entering into that story, we're identifying with it and making it our own. So one way of thinking about it is to think that we, as it were, count ourselves dead with Jesus, but at the same moment, we are made alive again through him. 
I sometimes think of this when I take the bread, I think I'm, I'm eating, I'm partaking of the death of Jesus. And then straight afterwards, I take the wine and I receive the life of Jesus through his resurrection. So it's as if in being part of Jesus' people, we have, as it were, identified with him. We have lost our lives already and received them back through his resurrection. Hallelujah, indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, And in baptism, um, Easter is a traditionally, is a a time for for being baptized. And in baptism, um, that that can be symbolized when someone, if we're doing it with full immersion, when someone goes down into the water, one way of understanding of that is it symbolizes them being buried with Christ and immediately rising from the grave again and sharing in his resurrection. Now, here's the question for us that I'm working my way around to. (laughs) Um, The fact that Jesus died and rose again for us raises the question of how do we respond? What do you do? How do you live your life if someone else has died in order to save your life? Here's a simple answer to that question as you ponder it for yourselves which is to live in a way which honours that person. (coughs) Stands to reason, doesn't it? It makes sense. Someone else has given up their life, so we live in a way which honours them. Do what they would be glad of. Follow their example. Seek to emulate them. And do that even if it comes at a personal cost. Because if they were willing to pay the ultimate price... Surely we can go with whatever it costs us to follow in their footsteps, bearing in mind that we only have our life as a gift from what they've given us. So that brings us to this topic of the prayer that is often said after communion uh, and which derives from the Bible reading that John read to us. So you may be familiar with the words, but I'll I'll read them slowly so you can listen to them carefully if you've not heard them before. There's a prayer we often say which goes like this. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him, we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Let me just read the key bit again. We offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out to live and work your praise and glory. Now, one of the things that that prayer is expressing is the sense in which worship is not confined to what happens here on a Sunday morning. Worship does not stop when the service comes to an end. Rather, the worship is potentially the whole of our lives. 
This is what that reading from Romans said. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, for this is your spiritual worship. So we are being empowered and equipped by God's Holy Spirit when we gather together here so that we can then continue to live lives which honour God, which worship God, which express to God that thanks and honour which is due in respect of everything that God has done for us, the gift to us of new life through the resurrection of Jesus. So we become a living sacrifice, a living offering to God. So first it was the lamb, and then it was the man, but now everyone can. The lamb, the man, and everyone can. That's your jingle for the week, okay? Everyone can be a living sacrifice, which is yet another contradiction in terms. It doesn't make sense because a sacrifice is something which is offered up to God. In the, in the Bible, sacrifices are animals which are offered unconditionally to God, which means that they're slaughtered, they're put to death, their life is given up completely. And when we see Jesus dying on the cross and offering himself. It's the same pattern which is followed. It's the ultimate cost. His life is given over completely. That's what a sacrifice is. It's someone or something which is put to death. So how can you be a living sacrifice? How you, can you be, in other words, the living dead? Which is what we're invited to be, or when we say that prayer, that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Well, I think it simply means that we live in a way which makes clear that the whole of our lives are offered to God, that we acknowledge that the life that we have has been received from God, and in gratitude for that, we respond by offering our life back to God, by being willing to live in a way that God would want us to live, and by being willing to be obedient and to respond to the calls and the promptings of the Holy Spirit to be part of God's purposes in the world. This is our response to the self-offering of Jesus for our sake, that we live our lives for God's sake and for God's glory. Thank you, Sarah. Everyone can. Everyone. We can all do this. We are all recipients of God's mercy and of God's Holy Spirit, and therefore we are all invited to be part of God's purposes, to be part of God's work in the world, making God known, doing good, showing mercy, and proclaiming the good news that Jesus has died, and Jesus is risen, and Jesus will come again to reign in glory, and to put right everything which is wrong. Hallelujah. So everyone can, no matter what you're doing. Now this is where I find it gets really interesting when we think about what we're going to be doing tomorrow morning um, or Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon I always find is the challenging bit, you see. So Monday I'm all still kind of buoyed up from church on 
Sunday, and, and I'm still, you know, remembering the jingle of the week or whatever it is that the preacher gave me. Um, but Tuesday, it starts to wear off a bit, and then when once I've had my lunch and I start to get really dopey, Tuesday afternoon, I always find, you know, if I can be a Christian on Tuesday afternoon, then I can probably be a Christian at any point in my life. Um, so what are you going to be doing on Tuesday afternoon is my, my question for you. And here's the amazing thing, that no matter what it is, it can be an offering to God, and God can be involved in it, and God is really interested in it. God is interested and involved in your life, even on Tuesday afternoon, whatever it may be. Um, if you're eating and drinking, you can give thanks to God and recognise it as a gift. Uh, if you're working, you can ask God to help you and to guide you in your work and to see if God can be involved with you in nudging you in a certain direction. Um, if you're caring for others, then you can show compassion to them and kindness to them. And you can perhaps ask, ask God to prompt you in terms of how you pray for that person as you care for them. If you're out and about, if you're traveling, you can be listening out for God, listening for the prompts of the Holy Spirit. What good could you do along the way? What word might you have for another person? Or even if you're seemingly doing nothing, even if you're just resting, perhaps that can be an opportunity to remember God is with you and to reflect, to think, where has God been in my life today and what might be the next step tomorrow? So we can be living sacrifices. The lamb, the man, and everyone can. We can all offer the whole of our lives to God because we have received God's mercy and we can be confident that God is therefore interested in our lives and wants to be involved. And no matter what we're doing and no matter where we are, we can be turning to God, saying a prayer and asking God to be involved, to guide us and to use us for God's good purposes in the way we relate to others. Isn't that great? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God.